How do you follow that? My goodness. Well, it's... <laughs> this is going to be fun. It's great to be here. Thanks very much for the invitation, Grant. Uh, I've known Grant for quite a few years. Grant's familiar with my journey. And it's good to have fellow brothers in Christ that can stand with you, that know your story, you can be honest with and humble with. I've got a few things to share this morning, but for those of you that don't know me, uh, I'll tell you very briefly a little bit about myself. Um, you probably can't tell where I was born from the accent. I try and keep this quiet, but I was actually born in London. Uh, but my parents are from Northern Ireland, so I spent quite a lot of my life growing up during the Troubles in Northern Ireland, which was quite fun. I was reflecting last night, I was at Excel conference, so that you can probably tell, and uh, I was sharing with some guy that as a student I was hard up and trying to earn some money, so I thought it was a good idea to be a security guard in Belfast during the Troubles. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't the sharpest tool in the toolbox then, was I? But uh, yeah, it was long night shifts as well. But uh, yeah, I grew up in Northern Ireland. Um, I'm 57, I've been a Christian since I was 11, so I've been on the journey quite a, quite a few years, but I can certainly testify that God is good, he is gracious, and uh, I've had some ups and downs in life. Um, I'm married to my wonderful wife, Helen, uh, I've been married for 32 years, uh, just last August, uh, very grateful for her. She's tried to keep me on the straight and narrow. She deserves a medal. Two children. Uh, my daughter got married in March of this year, Anita. And um, my son James is currently traveling around New Zealand with his girlfriend who's from Czech uh, Republic. So, um, yeah, grateful for my family. God's been good. And uh, a bit about me. Um, I've My career, uh, it's what we do as blokes, isn't it? What do you do? Um, I'm a project manager, background chartered quantity surveyor, so I've been involved in construction for 35 plus years. Um, it's been a good career. It's been quite a, a tough career at times, uh, working for various companies up and down the country and also abroad. I've um, lived and worked in the Caribbean, working on a hospital. I've lived and worked in Shanghai, China, uh, travelled a bit, and that's the kind of thing that these, uh, these jobs and these careers can open up a whole kind of opportunity to work and, and serve God abroad, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, I guess during my project management days, uh, I, I went through quite a bit of pressure, quite a, quite a lot of um, anxiety, and uh, kind of things began to spiral a bit out of control. So uh, I'll be honest with you guys, um, I've struggled with alcohol abuse for many, many years. But praise God, come this November 22nd, I'll be three years sober. So I'm so grateful for that. That's a, honestly, it's a miracle because this disease nearly killed me. Um, and I won't go all the ins and outs of the spiral of how that happened. But just to say, if anybody has an issue with alcohol or think they might have a problem with alcohol, please talk to me. Um, I co-lead uh, a group in Manchester at Audacious Church called Celebrate Recovery, which is for anybody really with any hurts, habits or hang-ups, because we have a God who is gracious, who is loving, who wants to restore us, renew us, shape us, mould us, and give us that second chance, that third chance, that fourth chance, because he knows what's best for us, and when we invite him into our lives and give him first place, wow, what a difference that is. Um, and I can testify to that and to God's grace and God's goodness. 
Okay, so you're probably wondering what the axe is about. <clears throat> and to be honest, I've always wanted to speak on this kind of passage from the Bible. So here's the question, not Ronnie or Grant. What story in the Bible concerns an axe or part of an axe head? That's right, that's right. Now, hands up, who's actually heard somebody talk about this story in a preaching or teaching environment? It's the floating axe head from Second Kings, the prophet Elisha. I'll read the story in a moment. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I've not heard about it as well. So why am I going to re reference that story today? Well, <clears throat> recently uh, we were traveling around Utah in America and I was trying to continue my kind of um, uh, reading through the Old Testament. And this was one of the passages, and I read it, and I thought, what's that about? You know, and uh, it's a most unusual story, which we'll read in a minute. And I was thinking, my, that would be a challenge, wouldn't it, to speak about? <laughs> I couldn't get it out of my mind, to be honest. And Grant had very kindly invited me to speak at this breakfast. And I was thinking, what can I talk to the guys about? What can I share? And this story has remained in my head for quite some time. So I think God's got something for it. Uh, I know he has. He's certainly um, revealed a few things to me and taught me a few things which I'd love to share with you because um, it's an unusual one. So without further ado, we'll read the passage together. I have it here just on my laptop. So forgive me uh, for that. Okay. So uh, it says in Second Kings and uh, reading from... Uh, from verse 1, uh, it's, uh, uh, the company of the prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place for us to meet. And he said, go. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. <clears throat> they went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my lord, he cried out. I'm sure that wasn't all he said. <laughs> it was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? <clears throat> when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. And then the man reached out his hand and took it. What an unusual story. But, uh, you know, I believe the Bible is the greatest book, and it's our guide, it's our roadmap, and it provides us with <clears throat> basic information before leaving earth. And it also contains some of these amazing and weird stories. And this is an unusual story. You know, the uh, axe head separating from its handle, it falls into the river, all is lost, and then miraculously... It floats to the surface after a stick is chucked in by the prophet Elisha. Now, whether the phrase, don't fly off the handle, comes from this story, I don't know. Uh, but it is a remarkable true story. So I'd just like to briefly highlight a few things which I believe that this story teaches us. The first is stand up. Now, I thought about this story for a while and I thought, you know what? I think the prophet Elisha was absolutely fantastic and it's an example to me and to you. Because here he was, he was a prophet 
And these younger men, these disciples, if you like, of the prophets said, you know, we need to build a bigger place. We're growing. It's great to see growth, isn't it? It's great to see blessing. But there's things that need to happen. And they came to him and they said, we're going to build a bigger place. Come and help us. And Elisha said, I'm your man. I'm in. Rolled up his sleeves, got stuck in. I have to be honest, I'm impressed with that. Elisha stood up. He said, I'm in. He could have said, hey, I'm, I'm the prophet. I'm the teacher. I'm the one that hears from God. You, you guys do all the work. I'll, uh, I'll wait till you finish. No, he got stuck in. He got involved. And I thought that was a really fantastic example to me and to us. You know, there was a need. And Elisha co-joined that need and joined in. He got stuck in, and I thought that was a fantastic example. And for us too, you know, to join in, not just be bystanders or just uh, onlookers uh, or Sunday morning only, but to actually serve, to actually participate, to actually be part of the lifeblood of any church or small group and to play our part. That's what God wants for us. That's what's healthy. It's actually good for us. So that's the first point I thought was really useful out of that story. And then the next one is hand up. And I was impressed with the guy who lost the axe head because you put yourself in that situation. I don't know what you or I would have done, but an axe head flying off, <laughs> I might have just dived into the water, thrashed around for a bit, tried to find it, panicked, got anxious. I'd borrowed the axe head. There was some value to that. Probably in trouble. What am I going to do? Worry. The guy actually put his hand up. He said, you know what? I need help. And immediately, he went to Elisha. I'd never really noticed that before. And I thought, do you know, I wish I'd done that early in my recovery journey. You know, because I thought, I've got this. It's not so bad. I can do it on my own. And I couldn't. I needed help. I needed professional help. I needed the help of my brothers and sisters around me. I needed especially God's help and to tap into his power. And this guy, I think, sets another great example for us. He, you know, asks for help. He's not afraid. He's humble. He went to Elisha straight away, explained what had just happened, the problem. And I think as, as men, you know, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to talk about stuff that's going on. And, you know, I do that with trusted friends. I'd recommend that to yourselves. I'm getting better at it. I've learned that it's important, that it's vital. You know, I went through a dark period where I disengaged. I dwelt in my pity cave and I didn't come out. It wasn't good. It isolated me. And that's exactly what our enemy, Satan, wants to do to us. We are stronger together, you know, and that's how God has designed his church to be, to be that support to each other. And the third thing I wanted to highlight from this story which I thought was good, was not just stand up, hand up, but listen up. Elisha spoke to the man and told him what he needed to do. And the man listened. He believed and he obeyed. He did what he needed to do. Now, I'm familiar with recovery and the 12 Steps AA program. This comes from a biblical you know, set of principles found in Proverbs, in James, and other Bible books. And it's a really, really helpful 
spiritual framework for life. Uh, but to be effective in my life and in our lives, we need to practice it. We need to hear it. We need to listen, but we need to do it. Uh, especially step three. Step three in the 12 steps is we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. I so often thought I knew what to do. I was used to leading others in church or in small groups, helping others, sorting other people's lives out, trying to sort all this stuff out, but neglected my own walk at times with God, and that proved critical. So I needed to listen up, to obey, and to put into practice these things. You know, our God cares for us. He wants the very best for us. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, he's not left us on our own. He's given us his word, this framework for life, which is so precious. Um, so not only can we have this exciting relationship with Jesus and learn from his example, we can listen in to the lives of those who have gone before. And that's brilliant on our journey. We can dwell on some of the crucial truths contained in God's living word that will help us to grow, to transform and to develop in our relationship with God. And, you know, when I was in the midst of my dark time and battle and struggle with alcohol, um, I believe God spoke into my situation by giving me three words, which I'll share with you. I've had them engraved on a glass at home. In fact, my daughter engraved them on a glass for me. And the three words I'd like to leave you with is choose, change, and conquer. You know, choose, I had a choice to make, similar, similar to this guy in the story. Do I get help or not? Do I try and do it on my own or involve others? Do I put God center stage or do I just try and do it my own way? So I had a choice, you know, do I ask for help or just keep thinking I can do it on my own? We are stronger together, and I needed to enlist help. You know, this is great to see a great group of guys here this morning. And thank you so much for the worship. I enjoyed that. That was just brilliant. To God be all the glory, you know. And he's a good God, and he encourages us to not forsake the gathering of ourselves together. We need each other. We're stronger together, you know. Um, you know, I needed to choose to get help. I was very stubborn. My family told me I'm not well. My kids told me I'm not well. My wife told me I'm not well. I'm all right. I wasn't. I needed help. And I needed to get some specialist help. I did have to do rehab. I did have to do Celebrate Recovery in AA. And I'm still doing that, by the way. I try and attend weekly meetings still. Um, and Celebrate Recovery, I love. It's just a wonderful framework for spiritual life. Bible-based, you know, and very much central place is God is our higher power. Um, you know, and I needed to get back to a closer walk with God. I needed to tap into his strength, and that was my choice, you know. And uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible that contains this word of choice or choose, it was my father's actually. He had it on a, a text in our family home. And I've never forgotten it, and I wrote it down because it's a lovely verse from Joshua 24, verse 15. And for those of you perhaps are, you know, maybe not sure with your journey with God, 
You know, have you made that choice to follow Jesus, to put your trust in the Son of God who loved you so much, he died for you at Calvary, shed his precious blood for your sins, to wipe the slate clean, to say, come to me and I will give you rest. I am the answer. He is the way back to a holy God. That's a choice to make. So maybe think about these words. Joshua 24, 15 says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you were living. But as for me, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I mean, what a, a bold testimony. What a choice. What a wise choice. And then the second word that uh, God brought to my heart was change. Thank God. Thank goodness. He is in the business of transforming us if we let him. You know, things needed to change for me. Uh, and in this story we read, things certainly needed to change for that guy that lost the axe head. He could have been in real trouble with the owner of the axe head. And, uh, you know, he needed an axe head to carry on with the work. And uh, it looked pretty hopeless, you know. A heavy axe head sunk deep down in a river. Uh, but it's proof that God can turn any situation around. And he's proved it with this, this gravity-defying miracle. It's a testimony of that. And when we put God first, you know, that is the important thing, bringing him into the center of any situation, he changes things. Here's a great verse. In everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. What a fantastic promise. That's in the Bible. That's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Putting God's first and being humble is key. You know, Psalm 139 puts it better than I could ever put it. This is God's living word. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, a practical thing as blokes, as men, is to have those friends that you can lean on, rely upon, share stuff with, pray with, be honest with, you know, and we can support and strengthen each other. That's what God has designed for us. So then conquer. Let's uh, think about that. What a great Bible truth. We are on the winning side. We live in days that are fairly anxious and worrying whenever we look at the news and switch on all the media stuff and everything, but sometimes we just got to step back and say, you know, Let's remind ourselves who's in control. God is still on the throne. We really have very little to worry about when our eternal future is secure. And we can have that confidence in him. No matter what's going on, perhaps in our situations, in our lives, and what we see in the world, God is still on the throne. He's still master of the universe. And here's a lovely verse from Romans 8:37. The New Living Translation I like. It says, no, despite all these things, 
overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. You know, the previous verses had spoken about perhaps all the things we see today. Trouble, calamity, persecution, famine, danger, even being threatened with death. But what a wonderful truth to lay hold of. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And Christ loves us so, so very much. You know, some other verses. uh, I just love the word of God because... You know, it's not just what I say. The living, vibrant, wonderful, transforming word of God is what really matters. And by his spirit, when he takes hold of that, plants that seed in our heart, opens our eyes to that truth, it's exciting days. Ephesians 6, 10, 18 says this. We thought about this last night, actually, at the men's conference. It was entitled, Stand, Standing Together. And this is a fantastic verse about, as men, how we stand in Christ, but we stand together. You're probably familiar with this. Ephesians 6 says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil powers, evil rulers, and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on, there's the active thing we need to do, put on every piece of God's armor, not some of it, every piece, so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil, then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the good news that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your, as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times, on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. First Corinthians puts it like this, a bit shorter. Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. And you're probably familiar with this historical fact, really. The Roman army was so successful as a fighting force because they joined their shields together. They stood in line. They did the turtle formation sometimes, but they all played their part together, side by side with each other. You know, there was strength in being together and standing firm together. And we're in a battle, but we're on the winning side. You know, First Peter puts it like this, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So a floating axe head, what a story. Stand up, get involved participate you know giving back always strengthens 
us, it's healthy to serve and to participate. Hands up, get help when you need it. You know, believers will always be on hand to love and to support you and to care for you. Listen up, listen to the word of God. Listen to, to good godly advice. And, and what's needed is to apply that, apply God's truth to our lives, to be doers, practitioners of the word, not just hearers, you know. Um, choose. We have all choices to make. I pray that we would make wise ones. Change. Isn't it fantastic? God only wants what's best for us. He desires to transform us to be more like Jesus. And that is so exciting. We need to keep our axe heads, though, well maintained so they don't fly off the handle. Conquer. We're on the winning side. Jesus has defeated sin, he's defeated death, he's conquered the grave. And we are on his side. Let's remember that. And as those verses say, no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us.